Hi, I'm Graham and welcome to Brits on Flicks. With me as always is your co-host, Brian Lomax from Brian Lomax Movie Talk. And this is a very special bonus episode where we're just going to have a, a year in review for 2016 and a little look forward to see what's coming out in 2017 that piques our interest. So, just as a brief outline, Brian, what did you think of 2016 as a, as a movie year? Um, I actually thought it was a pretty incredible year. Uh, I mean, it, it's worth noting that for the sake of this podcast, obviously we we are Brits. We are Brits on flicks, so we are going off the UK release dates, um, not the not the the US ones. I think if you go off the US release release dates, it's an even better year. But we're not. We're going off the UK ones. And with that in mind, I still think this has been a pretty incredible year. Uh, some of the blockbusters have been a bit of a disappointment, but I think in other areas like your indies. Um, your, your horror films, particularly your animated movies, uh, yeah, it's been an incredible year, I'd say. Yep, I pretty much agree with you. If you're the kind of person that goes to the movies and you're looking for the blockbusters and the big movies, then you probably had a horrible year at the cinema. If you like the city smaller movies and the, the city drama, the Oscar contenders, the city middle of the road movies then you've probably had a great year because a lot of those movies have been fantastic and I know looking at my top 10 I had no problem coming up with a top 10 in fact I had to cut out a few ones that I really didn't want to cut off the list but I just felt well I had to for numerical reasons but no it's been a great year Mm. so how about we just jump straight in and we start off with our our best of the year Uh, start off on a positive note um, so who wants to go first Brian? I'll let you go first Okie dokie. So my number 10 of the year um, is Nocturnal Animals. Mm. A movie that um, the more I think about it, the better it seems to get. And the discussions that come from it are really varied. People take different opinions from the movie. And you can actually see their point and what they've taken from the movie as well. It, has, it can have multiple meanings where nobody is right, nobody is wrong. It's just an interesting topic. And it's a hard movie to, to, to really sell, I would imagine, because pretty much it's about a woman reading a book. <laughs> but it does it in a way that... it Well, that's down to Amy Adams' performance. It just makes it so fantastic. But it's full of fantastic performances, as Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Shannon. And it's such a nuanced and layered movie. And it's got this really fantastic score all the way through as well that just... It's amazing music. I, I think that every scene has a, a duplicitous nature about it as well. You can take it two ways, and that's why I think it's going to be a reward and rewatch. Okay, yeah, so my top ten. Uh, first up, straight into comic book movie territory, as is going to be expected from me. Uh, surprising thing is how few comic book movies there are on here, actually, but number ten is Deadpool. Uh, came out right at the start of 2016 and pretty much set the bar for for what the rest of the year needed to kind of live up to with regards to comic book movies. Ryan Reynolds absolutely killed it. He was clearly born to play this character, this version of him anyway, certainly not the version from X-Men Origins Wolverine. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just so tongue-in-cheek, so irreverent of, of everything. 
Um, and just an absolute laugh riot from start to finish. One of the best comedies of the year, never mind one of the best comic book movies of the year. Uh, but yeah, absolutely loved it. Uh, that's my number 10. Yeah, spot on. Uh, my number 9 is Green Room, mm. a movie that I really liked when I saw it. Um, at, at no point did I ever think it was going to be in my top 10 until I actually sat down to make my list and I realised how much it had actually resonated with me. I think it's a fantastic little thriller, the kind of movies that you don't get made too often these days. Um, it's a simple story. It's got some great acting. It's got some really realistic, horrific injuries to people or people being attacked. It, it's not the kind of gore fest where you look at it and you can kind of laugh at the, the violence. This is sudden, violent, shocking violence that lasts with you. And then it's got Patrick Stewart with a really understated, fantastic performance as the sort of head Nazi. Mm. Um, and like I said, it's just, over the year, it's got better and better. The more I've watched it, the more I've went, yep, this is pretty good stuff. So that's my number nine. Yeah, it's, it's a very uh, tightly edited film, I think. Uh, Patrick Stewart definitely going against type. This isn't the kind of character mm. we're used to seeing him play. He's usually very noble kind of characters, uh, people mm. who, who really kind of have a deep caring for the rest of humanity. So, so to see him go from, like, Xavier or Picard to, to, to this, it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's quite the departure for him, but it definitely works, I think. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of the... One of the last roles from Anton Yelchin, who really mm. kills it in this as well. Um, but yeah, and a cracking ending. I love that final scene. Uh, but yeah. my number nine, and this is the first of three films that appear on my list that were released in 2015, if you go off US release dates. Um, so yeah, another two coming up. But the first one is The Revenant. It's my number nine choice. Absolutely stunning performance from Leonardo DiCaprio, but also from Tom Hardy as well. Uh, a, a film just about the the elements and man versus nature. Um, yeah, a really good survival epic, which is actually based on a true story as well. Um, now, mm-hmm. I, I'd imagine they've taken quite a lot of dramatic license, given how long ago the true story you know, was, but, yeah, uh, actually based on true events. But, yeah, really good film, excellent direction from uh, Inuritu, and the cinematography is stunning, absolutely stunning. Um, but, yeah, fantastic film. Well, you know, as all of these are going to be... Uh, we're pretty much going to preface, preface everything that we, we come out with here by, yeah, fantastic film, because these are our top tens, so clearly we're going to think that. But, yeah, there you go, The Revenant. Yep, The Revenant was, was excellent. Um, it was a five-star when I came out the cinema with it, but I've got to say I've not really thought too much about it since then. Mm. Um, but, like you say, fantastic cinematography and great performances. Uh, really good movie. Uh, my number eight is Denny Villeneuve's Arrival. Mm. Uh, a movie that kind of swept my feet away from me to be honest when, when I saw it um, I don't know what I was expecting but from an, an alien invasion movie this is pretty much a counterpoint to everything you've ever seen before and it's tells such a, an interesting story it's got a nice wraparound where it's 
talking about the way language is used and worked. I like the aliens, I like the design. Some of the cinematography, again, is pretty good. Amy Adams is absolutely terrific. Uh, all in all, a, a really touching, fantastic movie, but just a, a really great message at the centre of it. Mm. Yeah, uh, Arrival doesn't appear in my top ten. Um, it just missed out. Uh, there's, a, there's a few films just just beneath my top ten. I I actually think that Nocturnal Animals is the better Amy Adams film uh, that was released in 2016, and I just feel like yeah, um, fr- from a from a logistical kind of nightmare perspective of trying to work out. The, the plot threads and how it you know how it really holds together it, it's kind of impossible it does if, if you examine it too closely it does fall apart under under the weight of, of the holes in it but <clears throat> the personal story Amy Adams character's story um, in that film for me is is the centerpiece it's the center of the film you know we've got this massive scale worldwide event happening but at the heart of it is this really personal story with her character and when I did my review on my channel one of the things that kind of (laughs) I don't know puzzled me I guess or well it's starting to annoy me a little bit now actually is that people are still leaving comments asking the most pointless questions like I mean, the the biggest one I get asked is, why do the aliens need the humans in the future? What is what is the what is the big thing that they need help? Why you know why do they need to advance the language of the humans? And it's like I I sit and I read questions like that, and I think you are missing the point. You're mm. getting caught up in all the ridiculous minutiae of the film all, all those kind of details that actually you know there isn't an answer for in the film asking me isn't going to give you an answer and he, he, asking anyone isn't going to give you an answer because those answers are simply not given because they're not important it has mm-hmm. no relevance to the story and the story is a personal one which is about Amy Adams' character and her daughter and the choice she makes to still go through with, with what she knows is going to happen, um, given, the, you know, given what she knows. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it is one of them films that actually, if you, if you overthink it, 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 it will kind of fall apart. Um, and for, for that reason, it didn't quite make my top ten. It just missed out. I just want to add in as well, but you said you said you think Nocturnal Animals is the better film. I think Nocturnal Animals is the better made film, mm. but the emotional connection that I had with Arrival is why I had to put it higher on my list. Right, yeah. See, see I, I, I think Nocturnal Animals is not only the better film, but I, I also had more of an emotional connection, primarily to Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Um, I, I was so invested... In him, and it's like Amy Adams in that film. I was so invested in that story, in that book that he had mm-hmm. written, that every time it went kind of to the real world, I was like, "Come on, get back to the book, get back to the book. I want to find out what happens." Um, so I, I was, yeah, incredibly emotionally invested in the Jake Gyllenhaal 
character in that film. So, but yeah, um, <laughs> my number eight um, is the is the the second film on my list that is you know released after the fact uh, is The Hateful Eight uh, which is the Quentin Tarantino movie um, a lot of people have been a bit sniffy about this, said it's not one of his better films I beg to, to disagree uh, I, I think it is one of his better films I, I still think Django Unchained is, is his finest work to date um, but I think this is a very close tie for second place betwe between Inglorious Bastards and Kill Bill, uh, which I, I just I love Kill Bill. Um, so yeah, most people say Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, but I prefer his later work. I must say, um, mm. I, I just think again, it's a fantastic piece of work. It's a, a group of people stuck in one confined location for for over two hours and it's really dramatic it's brilliantly scripted the characters are really well rounded really well defined um there are there are some surprises in there and there are also some tropes that we've come to expect from tarantino uh, but they don't feel old hat they don't feel too too overdone um so yeah i i loved it i thought it was a really good film um and i loved kurt russell in it kurt russell was fantastic and so was samuel l jackson it, all the cast were to be honest if, if i reel mm. off the names of all the cast members i think oh yeah they were great oh yeah they were great oh yeah yeah you know tim roth that he was fantastic as well so yeah really good film my number eight yeah great, yeah, great pick um my number seven is one that's already been on your list, and that is Deadpool. Mm -hmm. And pretty much what you said, I, I thought it was a breath of fresh air to the, to the comic genre. Um, when I left the movie the first time I saw this, I had some misgivings about it, but most of the problems I had with it could have been put down to budgetary reasons. I think it was missing an action scene or two. Mm. Um, so for the action kind of let me down a little bit but it more than made up with it with the humour that's in the movie and this is one of these movies that you put on and it just captivates you and you're giggling along with the, the, the silly jokes and the nature of it and you, can, you can't help but laugh and enjoy it and, and find this charismatic character who says everything wrong but it's so right for the movie <laughs> and um, the Spoil a little bit of my list. This is the only comic book movie to make it onto my list this year. Oh, blimey. Okay. I liked it that much. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> I think we both know it's not going to be the only comic book movie on my list. Um, but, yeah, all right. Um, okay, well, my number seven is... Eye in the Sky, a really great British film. Um, Alan Rickman's last performance, uh, last on-screen performance, that is. Um, he, he's brilliant in it, just stunning. Mm -hmm. uh, Helen Mirren, as well, is great. Um, all the acting in this, actually, is, is really spot-on. It feels, in many ways, like the kind of thing Aaron Sorkin would write, in the sense that the dialogue is just so weighty and 
relevant and realistic like realistic and I, in fact i'd say the dialogue in this is more realistic than an aaron sarkin film um just because yeah it, it totally shoots for realism and it succeeds on every level uh now the writer of this i, I forget his name but he also wrote a film called A United Kingdom, which, again, is another really, really good British film that came out in 2016. So he he has become my new one to watch when it comes to script writers because both of the scripts for those films are absolutely incredible. I think Eye in the Sky just about pips it. Uh, because it's so tense. It's it's brilliantly written. It, it looks at the war on terror. It looks at um, the use of drones. Mm-hmm. And it, what it does is it never takes one side. It constantly, f- from start to finish, flip-flops between this argument and that argument. And by the time you get to the end... You honestly do not know which side of the fence you sit on. I mean, I came out of that movie and I was like, man, it's not black and white. It is it is very far from being black and white. Um, you know, all the characters in the film put their sides across and when they do, you think, oh, yeah, they're right. You know, so but but they can't all be right. <laughs> And that's the beauty of the film. It is absolutely incredible. Brilliant performances all round. And I would say one of the best scripts of 2016. Um, possibly possibly the best script of 2016. Um, it's that good. Uh, but yeah, that's my number seven choice. And, and directed, I might add, by uh, Gavin Hood, who directed X-Men Origins Wolverine. So he, he has definitely redeemed himself with this film. Um, I've I seen the trailer for this and I thought it looked pretty <coughs> generic or and very similar to Good Kill that came out uh, a couple of years ago with Ethan Hawke. And I kind of gave it a miss, but I've been hearing lots of good things about this, especially about Rickman as well. Yeah. Um, and it's something I'm, I'm going to have to check out, but it's one that I haven't seen as yet. Um, my number six is uh, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. A movie that I was not anticipating, I wasn't that interested in, I didn't really look at the, the trailers of that, and ultimately I found a really rewarding movie a really interesting movie that adds to the, the the original trilogy and a movie that I'm going to see as better than The Force Awakens. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry, something about that. <laughs> no, I, I, I liked it. I did. I liked it a lot. You know, I gave it a four out of five. But... No way is it better than the Force Awakens, and I just I just think it's so overhyped. Uh, it's it's nowhere near as good as people are making it out to be. But d- you know, like, don't crucify me for that because four out of five is a damn good score. You know, um, I and that's what I give it. I think it is a very good movie, but there are ten other movies on this list of of, of mine that that are better than it, which <laughs> is why it didn't make my top ten. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've been over this anyway in the last episode mm-hmm. of Brits on Flicks, yep. so we won't go into it any more than, than that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Um, my number six is Nocturnal Animals. So, yeah, incredible film. 
Tom Ford is clearly one of those people who has far too much talent and needs to kind of share the wealth a bit because I mean I know this guy is a fashion designer I don't know a thing about fashion but apparently he he's he's quite big news in the fashion world so he's clearly you know risen to the top in that area and then he decided to go into films and usually when you get someone like that who goes from such a kind of different area really in, in into into filmmaking suddenly decides you know i'm going to become a filmmaker it, it, it's usually a bit dubious you you end up with rather awful results i think but he he's proven himself twice now now i've not seen um oh what's what's the, i can't remember a single man um mm-hmm. which is his first film i've not seen that yeah. film but by all accounts it is very good uh the 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 critical response when that came out was very good indeed so yeah based on the strength of 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 this film of nocturnal animals i do want to go back and see that film um but yeah he does an incredible job not only with the direction um, like like you said before, every scene, everything that happens in the film has two kind of meanings. You can always look at it from two different ways. Uh, but also the script, you know, he, he adapted this script. It was based on a, a book, I think. Um, but he, yeah, he adapted the script. So, you know, excellent job there as well. So, yeah, a man of, of, of great talents, obviously, but one of my favourite films of the year with one of, one of the best performances of the year from Jake Gyllenhaal, too, um, and mm. some great support, as you said, from Michael Shannon. A brilliant film, absolutely loved it, and it's just one of them films that I, I left the cinema just, just thinking about it for days. It's stuck mm. in my head. Uh, so, yeah, numbers, that's my number six. I've got to say that... The scene in the movie that affected me the most is when um, Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson's character stops the family at the side of the road. Mm. Um, I felt nauseous. Yeah. I, I felt like I had to get out of the cinema. Mm. Like it just, you had this horrible feeling that something was just not right here, and yeah. and it really, it really got. I've, honestly, if if the cinema wasn't packed, I think I would have walked out. Yeah. It just had that much of an effect on me just that scene and what I what I loved also about that scene is um, the, the way that Gyllenhaal plays it he he injects this element of cowardice because obviously that's that's one of the themes in the film that's mm-hmm. one of the big things and he plays it so brilliantly this that you you see it in him you literally you can see the, the, the cowardice in him it's almost spilling mm. over um, and that's down to his performance it's absolutely yeah. stunning uh, but also props to Aaron Taylor Johnson because I was watching this guy for a good five or ten minutes before I even twigged who it was I thought it was some yeah. I thought it was some new actor that we'd never seen before and then I'm all of a sudden I'm like I know this guy who is that and it's kick-ass blimey <laughs> So, so yeah, you know, he again, he should be a shoe in for for best supporting actor, I think, because his mm. turn here is absolutely incredible. He he just turns into someone else entirely. Um, yeah. But yeah, great film. Okay, so we're into the top five here, and I just want to say that five, four, and three are kind of interchangeable. Mm. You know, for 
any order I put them in is going to be the right order for me. It's just these are the, when I made my list. This is just the way I put them in, but that they're all number three for me. Yeah. Um. So next up for me is the Nice Guys, mm-hmm. yeah, a, a movie that I absolutely loved. We did a full podcast on it. Yeah. Where I think we we both discussed about how fantastic it was, yeah. how amazing the pairing of of you know Russell Crowe and and Ryan Gosling. Um, I don't want to harp on too much since we've already talked about it. Yeah. But we, yeah, we we actually sh- we actually struggled in that podcast to to yeah. to keep it going because we, we like you say we gushed so much but we didn't actually have any criticisms so it was like mm-hmm. uh, we're done we've kind of said <laughs> all all we can say uh, but yeah so that was one of our shorter ones with regards to the main review because yeah. we literally just loved the film and there weren't much else to say. <laughs> Yep, so that's that's my number five, nice guys. Okay. Uh, yeah, my number five is Hell or High Water. Uh, I, a really good modern-day Western. Uh, cracking turns from everyone involved. Uh, Chris Pine and um, what's his face? I can't remember his name. Ben Foster. Ben Foster, that's the one. He's, he's another one who needs to be up for Best Supporting Actor um, nomination this year. Because he's yeah he's kind of psychotic in this, but um, quite likable as well, which which is a real fine balancing act to to pull off, you know, to to get someone who quite frankly deserves locking up, um, but you you kind of can't help but like them as well. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Bridges as well is spot on in this. But it's just yeah, if you, if you like westerns. This is one of the best. It's just it, it just so happens to take place in in the modern day world. It's got a bit of a no country for old men kind of vibe about it, but not not as solemn, not as kind of yeah, not as depressing. I don't think um, a bit bit more uplifting. I think, uh, but yeah, cracking stuff. Yeah, that's that's one that life stopped me from seeing when it was in the cinema I had that, I had this booked three times and each time I had to cancel it for various reasons and I've still not seen it oh, as yet and it, I'm seeing it in a lot of end of year lists and every time I see it it's just like a a firm kick to the groin <laughs> you know, so it's, well it's out on Blu-ray now man so it's a go yeah, out and get it and get it watched I, I will pick it up and uh, check it out as soon as possible um, my number four is Everybody Wants Some oh Richard Linklater's spiritual successor to Dazed and Confused. Oh. Now, I'm a huge Dazed and Confused fan. So, when I heard about this, I was kind of dubious about anything coming close to that. And I found that this was one of the best experiences I had in the cinema this year. I loved the core group of guys. I loved just hanging out with them. I thought it was really funny. And... I think it may be better than Dazed and Confused, and that's a movie that's in my top ten of all time. I think the more I watch this movie, the more I'm just going to grow to love it even more. And it's it's definitely just all down to the charisma of the guys, which I liked. Now I can take it from uh, your look, Brian. That this really wasn't. I've one I've you'd I've not I've to. not seen the film, but right. I hated the trailer. Um, I I sat through that two minute trailer and I thought, already I don't like any of these people. I mm. have not laughed at anything that has happened, and I felt like the trailer just seemed 
really stage it and it felt what it felt like was a student film in which some students had tried to copy Dazed and Confused but without any of the humour and without any of the characters that, that I loved from that film. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like I yeah. say, I've not seen the film. I could be totally wrong. But from the trailer, mm-hmm. I had no compulsion to go and see this at all. Yep, I, I wasn't a fan of the trailer either. And watching it after the movie, I don't think it sells the movie properly. Um, some of these guys are douchebags, and they're supposed to be that way. They're written <laughs> that way. Um because they're secondary characters, they're not supposed to be the main one that you latch on to. And the humour in the movie is more to do with say verbal communication rather than say physical jokes, which I think the trailer kinda leaned towards. But to get the, the sort of verbal humour that's in it, you need to see it within context within the scene. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out. Don't let the, the trailer put you off. How many times have you seen a trailer for a movie that looked fantastic and it turned out to be terrible? You know, it could be the other way about. Here. Yeah, but man, it's like a trailer. It's supposed to sell you on it. You know, it's supposed to get the best bits. If you can't get the best bits in a tra- in a trailer, it ma- it makes me worry about what's in the film. But I, I mean, I, I'll say this: I've never seen a bad trailer where the, the film has completely blown me away afterwards. But I I don't know. I you know It must happen, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I will give it a watch, but I can say it's not high on my priority list. <coughs> OK. So my number four... <coughs> excuse me. Uh, my number four choice, and I'm kind of cheating here because I'm not going with the cinema cut, the theatrical cut. I am going with the extended cut the ultimate cut as it was called and that is batman v superman um we talked about this film at great length on one of our (laughs) brits on flicks episodes i don't think i need to go into it again um but safe to say i loved this film i liked the theatrical cut sorry i'll say that again i liked the theatrical cut a lot um, I didn't think it was quite as bad as people were making out, but after hearing some of the the arguments against it about some of the flaws, some of those flaws after repeated viewings did kind of kick in on me, and I, I kind of accepted them and said, yeah, you know what, people are right about some of these things. I think they're going overboard with a lot, but they're right about some. The ultimate cut for me washed away most of those things uh, most of the uh, most of the arguments I'd heard against it were washed away with that ultimate cut and it, it fixed those problems bar one which is, you know, we said this before I won't go into it a great deal it's just, it doesn't explain what the hell Lex Luthor was thinking when he created Doomsday other than that other than that one flaw the rest of the film to me is what I would call a perfect example of a comic book movie. In the sense, it gets the characters I know and love and want to see on screen, and it does them brilliantly. Um, you know, I loved Man of Steel, and I loved this. I still think Man of Steel is pro- has probably got the edge, but, yeah, I think this film's incredible. Visually, it's absolutely stunning. The action scenes are brilliant. One of the best fight scenes I've ever seen in a film is that Batman fight scene um, just simply because they just nail Batman in that um, 
yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's a really great comic book movie. So, yeah, it's my number four. I don't think it's cheating at all because I, I think, I mean, technically the, the extended edition did come out in, in 2016 and it is by far the better version yeah. of this movie. I, I know I'll never watch the theatrical version no, again. No, I won't. Uh, not when you get the extended <coughs> edition. And the extended edition, like I said, when I saw Batman vs Superman, it was middle of the road for me. You know, maybe a, a three out of five. Mm. But when I seen the extended edition, that made it so much better. Yeah. And... If anything, it kind of made it angry that they didn't release that into the cinemas. Yeah. You know, it still kind of baffles me. I think it's a, a monetary reason, mm-hmm. so they could get more showings, yeah. um, but it's ultimately caused more of a problem for the movie yeah. by not doing it. Um, but I've got no arguments with putting that in your list at all, Brian. I think you're, you're quite right. Uh, my number three was a movie that I didn't know anything about until a week before it came out. And it had one showing at my cinema, and after that disappeared, and that was Hunt for the Wilder People, mm. uh, Taika Waikiki's follow-up to What We Do in the Shadows. And this movie completely floored me with just how hilarious it was. Um, have you heard of this one, Brian? I've heard of it, but I've not seen it yet. Okay. Um, somehow, for some reason, it ended up in Netflix a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Netflix UK, and it's not even out in Blu-ray yet. So I've watched it a couple more times since then, and it's one of these movies that I'm trying to push onto people because I know if they give it a try, they'll love it. The, the humour is so good. The relationship between Sam Neill and the young boy is perfect. I like the, the two of these guys as they end up in the wilderness. I don't want to spoil too much of the movie for you, but their whole adventure is tremendous. Um, the little boy who's the lead is... Um, pitch perfect, note perfect in his performance mm. and the way the movie escalates and becomes more surreal the further it goes on with um, the law enforcement people that are hunting them down is silly, stupid but fits the movie perfectly as it starts to get a little bit more crazier the further the movie goes on it's just every character, every side character every gag lands the movie's just pitch perfect for me alright I'll uh, definitely add that to the list then. Uh, Okay, uh, my number three is Room. Uh, This is uh, the the final film on my list that obviously was released in the US in 2015. We didn't get it till 2016. Now, um, I'm on terrible form with my names again tonight, uh, but the, the... the the lady that's in this, she won Brie Larson. Brie Larson, that's the one. She won Best Supporting Actress. Um, I, I, I hope. Sorry, Best Actress. I should say. Was it supporting or was it actress? I think it was actress. I don't know. She got an Oscar for it. Anyway, I can say that much. Um, I I was hoping she would do. I didn't think she would, um, but she did. So I I was really floored by that, uh, and I'm glad that she got it because. Her performance in this is incredible. Uh, the the direction as well is, you know, I I watched it and I was just totally engrossed, absolutely brought into that world of uh, these two people, you know, just being confined in, into into this one room for so many years, and then finally breaking out, and that that sense of freedom, but also the the, the fear of the world that you knew suddenly being exponentially 
enlargened, um, if that's even a word, enlarged. <laughs> um, <laughs> enlarged. <laughs> Exponentially enlarged, you know? Um, so, like, particularly from that kid's perspective. So just, just yeah, a brilliant film, just stunning. Um, really gets into the heads of those characters in a very personal way, I think, that, that kind of allows you to to kind of almost go through what they go through. But, yeah, brilliant piece of work. Absolutely. Yeah, I've not seen that one either. Oh, when, um, wow. I know it's, it's available on uh, Amazon Video, mm-hmm. and I've looked at it a couple of times, but I've just never pulled the trigger to watch it. Mm-hmm. But I've heard lots of good things, yeah. and I like the director's last movie, so I'm, mm. I'm going to get to it at some point. It's it's definitely not a film that's going to be like constantly rewatched, yeah. you know. But it's one of them that even if I don't watch this for another five years, I, I'm always going to remember how I felt when I was watching it. I'm always going to remember the impact that it had on me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's why it gets so high up on the list. Um, into the final two then so these two movies um, I had a hard time distinguishing about, between what was going to be number one and two um, and my number two was a shock to even me how high this movie became because when I saw it in the cinema I really liked it and then I never thought about it again and it appeared on Netflix and I watched it and I I studied this movie. I was like, this is a, a, a masterpiece and it's probably going to, one you, uh, you didn't like, it's um, The Big Short. No, oh, yeah, I really liked The Big Short. Like, I thought it was great. Yeah. It, it just, and the more I watch it, the more I'm like, this is going to be, that this is going to be regarded as a masterpiece in a few years because the way it's put together mm. from its editing, everything about this movie shouldn't work. Yeah. You know, from its, its use of stock footage to having like, uh, a choppy story between so many different leads that don't really communicate with each other. Mm. Um, you've got like celebrities coming in to dumb things down for the <laughs> average person. It, it just it has all these things that shouldn't work. It's directed it's a it's directed by Adam McKay who did you know step and command and yeah 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 like everything about this sets off warning signs to just run away. But when you actually sit down and watch it, it's about two hours twenty minutes. It zips by. It captures your attention. It doesn't let go. It's informative. It pokes fun at itself. I just think that this is a stunning movie and it's one that I'm going to keep on watching. I think I've watched it three or four times this year and it came oh so close to being my number one movie of the year. And I think it's one that's it just people need to see and they need to rewatch to really get the best out of it. Mm. Yeah, I think Steve Carell is incredible in it as well. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Christian Bale got the nomination for Best Supporting Actor for this, and I honest, I, I think he's incredible in it. He he always mm-hmm. is, but I think that nomination should have gone to Steve Carell. I really do. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean everyone in this. Ryan Gosling again, man, can this guy do no wrong? Yeah, what a year he's had! You know what? One <laughs> absolute stonking year he's had. Um, you know, La La Land has just been out this this week, and whew, what an incredible film! I mean, we both gave it five stars on our channels, yeah. but yeah, what an incredible film! You know, and you you've already just mentioned the nice guys, so. But yeah. Um, <laughs> 
one of the best actors working today, surely. Uh, yeah, so my number two choice. I am an R over this because <laughs> I've watched Batman v Superman about four times, as many times as I've watched this film. Um, but if, if I just sit down and critically analyse them, then, then I kind of, I think this is the better film. Yet that being said, I'm always going to put that Batman v Superman disc into my player more times than this one. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm trying to just do my list based on what I think are, you know, the best films, I guess, uh, from from a critical perspective. So with that in mind, Captain America Civil War makes my number two choice. Uh, like I say, I, I just... I, I can't find much to criticise with it. And, and anything that I can find, it's just, it's just trivial stuff for the sake of criticism. As far as a comic book movie goes, it's, it's really brilliantly pieced together, especially when you consider just how many characters they're having to deal with here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Russo brothers are absolutely the heirs to the throne when it comes to, you know, taking over where Joss Whedon left off with the Avengers mm-hmm. movies. They are, they are definitely the, the ones that to, to have on board. Um, maybe even more so than Joss Whedon, you know? I, I Captain America Winter Soldier is still my favourite Marvel movie, and, and I think this is... This is a very close second, um, probably tied with the first Avengers film. So, yeah, uh, I just, yeah, like I say, I, I watch Batman v Superman more. I think that's just because I'm tied to the character of Batman so closely. But if, if, I, was, if I was really trying to argue which is the better film, I reluctantly have to say... This one, Captain America Civil War. Um, mm. Yeah, great comic book movie, my number two. Yeah, but what a great problem to have, isn't it, if you're a comic book fan? Mm. Like, the, the, like it's a, an overabundance of fantastic movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're arguing between what's going to be your, was it, number four and two? Yeah, two? yeah, four and two, four, yeah. Four and two. I mean, either way you look at it, you've had two... Of three, if you include Deadpool, fantastic comic movies that make it into your top ten. So definitely. Um, so on the, the number one, um, and for the moment I saw this movie, I, I had it as my number one movie. Um, I didn't think there was going to be anything challenged it, but the big shot came close. Um, so my number one movie is Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. <laughs> and like you said earlier on, this movie seems to have a lot of detractors, mm. a lot of detractors, but. I think it's one of his better movies. I like, I like the fact that he's. A lot of the criticism say that he's indulging himself, but when you're as good as Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> you, you kind of want the guy to indulge himself. You, you want him to please indulge. Feel free yeah, to you, indulge. You know, and, and you've got a movie that's over three hours. <laughs> that's mm. fantastic! Yeah. Wow, can you make it four? Mm. And like you said, all the characters are amazing. And throughout my watches, I've came to realise that I think the star player in it is Walt Goggins, mm. um, you know, Chris Maddox's character, yeah, yeah, yeah. who at first was kind of abrasive and annoying, and now <laughs> I look forward to every single sound that comes out of his mouth. Mm. Um, I think he's tremendous. I think all the characters are tremendous. I like the fact that it takes its time. It's no rush, and it allows the characters to have this sparkling dialogue, and you can get lost in their conversations. Yeah. 
and I think that's the key to the movie. And a lot of people will complain about the mystery at the end. Who who's the one that's the bad guy that's trying to poison them all or something? Doesn't matter. You know, we'll get there in the end. It's just seeing these characters interact, seeing them move in this world or live in this world. It's tremendous. I think it's a fantastic movie. And even at a length of three hours, I've no problem going like, yeah, I'm going to throw that one and just sit back and get lost in the world. Yeah, the the cinematography is stunning. Um, the, you know, the, the use of 70mm is just... <clears throat> you've got a scene in a barn where Samuel L. Jackson is just talking to someone and you kind of... For a moment, you're not hearing what they're saying because you're so transfixed by the background and the depth of field and, and just the way the snow's falling and the way it's lit. It's really beautiful, you know, to, to, yeah. to, to confine all your characters in one small location like that for three hours, yet make it cinematic, you know, really mm. cinematic. Um, like, it, it really deserves that that widescreen treatment. Um, yeah. Brilliant and, film. And that score again, this, the score in it, uh, the opening mm. tune is just, you know, as soon as I walked out of the cinema, I started downloading it. I was yeah. just like, I need to have this. Tremendous. So what's your number one, Brian? Well, my number one, and I, I think I may have given this away in our last episode of Brits on Flicks, but it's the nice guys. So, you know, if, if you want to... If you want to know what I think about that film, check out our last episode. I just think it's an incredible film. The script is sharp as anything. The performances are off the charts. Ryan Gosling gives the single best comedic performance of the year. Um, and I, I think comedy's hard, you know. To get comedy right, to, 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 to really nail it, can be harder than, than doing a serious performance. Um, it, it's de- definitely a, uh, a skill set that isn't kind of open to everyone. Uh, yeah, Shane Black, absolutely stunning. Um, the cinematography by Philippe... Philippe I, don't, I can't pronounce his name. Felipe R- Ruslo. I, I, he's basically the cinematographer on Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and the, the last few Harry Potter movies. But, yeah... Stunning work from him as well. The the seventies period, I just love the costumes, everything. It's just a cracking film. It it does everything that I want a great movie to do. Uh, so that's that's my number one choice of two thousand and sixteen. Great choice. So are we going to move on to our bottom five? I movies th- next? think we are. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and, and I just want to. I feel bad about calling it the worst movies of the year. You know? Because um, I feel like a lot of people put a lot of effort into them and they know not what for <laughs> countless reasons. I just feel bad saying worst. So I'm just going to um, say my, my bottom five. Well, I, I will say um, my my list is the worst movie of the year followed by my fall or the lowest. So I've, I've got no problem with saying that my 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 worst my number one choice, so to speak, is the worst movie of the year. It is is a turd of a movie, um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I'd, I'll just jump in with number five okay. straight away. So the, number five on my list is Allegiant, Oof. the third part of the Divergent series. Now. 
I kind of rolled with the first one and the second one. They weren't great movies, but they were okay. But this thing is all kinds of awful. <laughs> Dodgy special effects to, I think, is it is it Bill Pullman that's in it? Who looks as if he's been sedated to just get through each scene. Um, this was a, th- a three-book series which they split the fourth the third book into two movies to squeeze extra money out of it. But this movie's so bad that it looks like they're not going to make the final part. <laughs> which um the actual, actual rumour was that they were going to make a direct to T V part four to try and finish it off. This thing is an abomination and um yeah, so I'm not going to go too hard on these movies. Like I say, there's just five that I don't like. But yeah, Allegiance, just horrible. Okay. <laughs> Have you watched any of the Divergent series? I saw the first one. Um, I've borrowed the second one off someone just because I'm uh, curious, shall we say. But it's been sat there for two months now, wait, waiting for me to watch it. Because as much as I'm curious, I'm not that curious. <laughs> um, yeah. The first one was terrible. And I have no doubt that if I'd have seen... The third one, you know, um, after having seen the second one, uh, I, I've no doubt it would probably be in my top five, my, my bottom mm. five as well, to be honest. <clears throat> Just because, yeah, the first one was absolutely horrible. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. But uh, my number five, and it, it does, it is worth bearing in mind that I do, where possible, try to avoid watching bad movies. So, you know, my 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 bottom five may not be as drastically bad as someone else's bottom five, but that's because, like I say, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch the, the latest Divergent movie at the cinema because it doesn't appeal to me. And I've, I'm pretty sure it's going to be crap even before I've seen it, you know? So Mm. I avoid what I think are going to be bad movies. The ones that I've seen on this list, my my bottom five, they're all movies that I went into hoping for something, you know? I I, I didn't go into them expecting out-and-out crap. I went in with a glimmer of hope that there would be at least something there. Mm. Just turns out there wasn't. Um, so my number five is Assassin's Creed. This film is soulless. It has absolutely no soul. Um, the main character by Michael Fassbender, I have no reason to invest in this guy. There is n- there is nothing about him that is in in any way charismatic. And th- that's a surprise, because Michael Fassbender is extremely charismatic. He He's done some incredible roles. He's one of my favourite actors working today, you know? I, I would never shortchange this guy. But the fact of the matter is, he has got nothing to work with here. Absolutely nothing. Um, we have this awful story with with that tries to pull in biblical elements that 
quite frankly, just don't work because they're, they're so contradictory and they they also rewrite biblical history. You know, it's it's like oh, when you when you've got an organization that believes so much in the the Genesis storyline in the in the biblical interpretation of, of the creation of the world so much so that they're that they're, they're willing to track down the fruit as it says in the bible although they 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 say it's an apple in this film so they you know they they obviously have seen one too many michelangelo paintings or whatever and th- they basically have so much confidence in in the truth of that story, in the biblical truth of that of that creation story, that they are willing to track down that fruit. But they have no knowledge, no further knowledge of what you know of of the redeeming God of the, of the Bible. Um, to the point where literally Jeremy Irons' character in this film says, man cannot be redeemed. Well, surely that's a contradiction, because if you believe in the creation story, if you believe in the Bible, then you know, and I'm talking purely from, from a biblical standpoint, from a, if, you know, a belief standpoint, you've got to believe in a redeemer God. You can't have one without the other. If you want to say that that, that creation story is bollocks, that it's, it's a myth then i can understand you coming to it for, uh, to coming to a perspective of man cannot be redeemed because there is no god there is no creation you know but if you do believe in that story then it's very contradictory to have a character who says man cannot be redeemed and yeah it's just i mean i mean that that's just me coming to it obviously as a, as a person of faith but there is even if that wasn't a thing, even if that element wasn't there, there are so many other things wrong with this film that it's just... Like I say, it has no soul. It's got tremendous actors in it, like really fantastic actors in it, but they just don't make a dent. They don't, they don't register at all with me throughout the film. When you've got Jeremy Irons, Marion Cotillard... Michael Fassbender, Brendan Gleeson in your film and I feel nothing from them, there's something wrong. So, yeah, that's my number five choice. Okay, okay. Uh, number four for me is Kickboxer Vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I grew up kind of liking the early Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. So, I'm not expecting much from this. To be fair, but I knew Van Damme was in it, so I was like, okay. Uh, it actually had a decent cast. It's got um, a few action stars in it. Dave Bautista's in it as well, and it's tedious. It's boring. It it is. They've looked at the original movie. They've took the basic plot points and then they took all the fun and threw that away, <laughs> and they kind of get left with this. And the best thing about it is Van Damme again, who is the most charismatic character within this. This is a direct-to-video action movie, so you're not expecting the world, you're just expecting competent action scenes and for it to move along brisk enough, and it can't even do that. Um, so it let me down on that front, and which is why it's in my bottom five. All right. 
Okay. I have to say that's, that's one that I've missed. It wasn't it wasn't even on my radar to be honest, but <coughs> um yeah, I'm I'm sure I will uh, eagerly check that out at some point. <coughs> now my number 4 is Ratchet and Clank. This is a this is one of two films in 2016 that I actually walked out of. <coughs> now I wouldn't necessarily say that this film was so bad that it's the kind of film you walk out of. It's just the day that I watched it, I was like, you know what? I can live without seeing the rest of this. You know, if it had been in a better mood, I'd have stuck with it. But I was like, actually, the rest of the hour and ten minutes or whatever that I would miss from this will be better served doing something else. It's just so run of the mill. It's just it's it's the kind of animation that it feels like something that has gone direct to video. Yet you're sat there watching it at the cinema, and you know the character's journey even before they've gone in it. You know where it's going to go. You know it's got all the boxes ticked as to how you do an animated family film, and it ju- it just bored me. I was in there for 20, 25 minutes. I, I just, I was bored. I was just like, because I, I could literally map out everywhere that the film was going to go and the, the, the animation wasn't great. It was just... And, and in, a, in a year where we've had Finding Dory, Zootopia, uh, Moana... You know, we've had an incredible... And Kubo and the Two Strings, I believe, is supposed to be a very good film as well. Mm. You know, so an incredibly strong year for animation. So when you stack this up against those, it's it's not even a contender. It's it's just whatever, you know. It's it's blah. That's that's mm. it. I just... I, I could have stuck with it if I was in a better mood. Like I say, it's it's not so bad that you have to walk out, but just a... Just a in the mood I was in at that time, I was just like, no, I'll, I, I'm, I'm off. I'm going to find something better to do. So, mm. <clears throat> Okay, my number three is a movie that is a remake and had a budget of over $100 million, and that was Point Break. Ah, uh, okay. I got um, nervous then. I thought you were going to say Magnificent Seven. I was getting very nervous. No. Um, <clears throat> I like Point Break. It's not uh, an untouchable classic. So when they said they were remaking it, cool. They said they were adding in the the extreme sports aspect (coughs) of it. That seemed cool. That's like a nice addition. So they've got a budget of over 100 million. And they just dropped the ball so badly with this. Mm. The one thing it does have going for it is it's got some amazing extreme photography for the extreme sports but it's no different than anything you could go on YouTube and see. Mm, yeah. Um, but the plot points in this are ridiculous. Uh, the character machinations just don't make sense. That they're not logical. How they move from one scene to the other just seems arbitrary. It just everything about it just fails miserably, mm. and just left me feeling <coughs> really disappointed and as if they'd wasted all this money. And I'm not too sure what they did with it. Yeah, um, I mean, I actually love 
the original Point Break. I think it's one of the best action films of all time. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, it's 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 one of Keanu Reeves' top five movies, uh, and I think it's already been remade. And that remake was called Fast and the Furious. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's just it's it's been done. We've already had a remake, so why bother? It was it was the most pointless remake I could possibly imagine. Um, so yeah, you could have stuck a completely different title on this film. Mm-hmm. Not not call it a Point Break remake, and it probably would have been given a bit more respect, I think. But because you're trying to measure it by this this film that is a bit of a cult classic, mm-hmm. it's already going to fall on its ass. So yeah, um, I, I I'm with you. Yeah, it was just it was just boring. I I just found it dull. Um, mm-hmm. And the the worst the worst thing a film can do is bore you, especially when it's cost a hundred million dollars. Yeah. So. Mm. Uh, now speaking of dull, uh, this you know, this is a, this is probably the well this is the most controversial choice on my list because I know for a fact that a lot of people will love this film. It was very well received critically, um, but I just I lost interest about half an hour in, and that film is Ben Wheatley's High Rise. I just. Like I say, I got half an hour in and I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm done. It's just misery, misery, misery. And just when you can't have any more of it, we'll give you some more misery. It's it's literally a bunch of depraved people doing depraved things for two hours to show how depraved humanity is and I got the point after 20 minutes um, after 45 minutes I felt that that point was being hammered home and by the end of the two hours I really felt bludgeoned to death by that point and when you don't have a single redeeming character in the film when you don't have anyone that you can actually root for I'd lose interest. I just, you know, I I can tolerate bad behavior. I can tolerate, you know, despicable characters, but when you have no one that you can either relate to or root for, then that's literally just two hours of watching despicable people do despicable things, and that does not interest me at all. Um, I've seen High Rise <laughs> and it's not a movie I hate but it's not a movie I, I liked or loved either it's, it's a hard one to really digest and, and get your thoughts around r- about it um, I can fully understand why it's in your bottom five and I could understand somebody else having it on their, their, their top five as well but mm. for me it was just it's one of these movies that I don't think I fully Got, or the message I got, I didn't think it was that interesting, and it was just a weird, a weird movie. Yeah. Um, um, but my my number two movie here um, is Ben Hur. Oh, <laughs> no way! I actually, I actually was, liked that film. Yeah, and it was <laughs> only pipped at the post. Uh, this movie was just tedium from the start. It is so 
boring. It kind of jumped around without making any kind of sense. It wasted Tony Kebble, one of the best actors, I think, working today. I've never seen a wooden chariot explode into flames before, but it happens in this movie. It just, you know, <coughs> brothers, stepbrothers loathing each other through lifetime suddenly just make up when one loses a leg. It just, it, everything about this movie just annoyed me. Um, I mean, I, I, can't, I just can't. How does wood explode into flames? <laughs> I just can't, I can't get my head around that, Brian. I, 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 I seriously, if I wasn't... When I went to see it, I was there with a friend. I was there on opening night. I was in the largest cinema in the movie complex I was in, and there was maybe another half dozen people there. And if it wasn't for me, my, me just ripping into this thing, I don't think I could have made it through it. I really didn't. I did not like it. I didn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting that sense. Uh, I liked it. I, I, I not only liked it, I, I actually thought it was much better than I was expecting it to be. I thought it was a, a worthy attempt at trying to do a remake um, because it, it changed things as well. It, you know, it didn't just try and do a straight-for-straight straight remake. It, it added new elements that weren't in the original version, which gave a different kind of slant to the characters. I'm not saying it's better. Well, I'll say this right now. It's not better. I can, you know, safely say that. But <clears throat> I, I liked it. Um, I would quite happily watch it again. Uh, see, see, when you watch it again, Brian, can you, near the end, can you figure out why the lead character gets a modern-day haircut before his final chariot race. Because <laughs> I'm not really too sure why that happens. <laughs> Any insight in that would be great. It's because Timo Bekma-Bentov has directed it, that's why. Um, yeah. I, I was looking for Ben-Hur zombie hunter or something like that. <laughs> what happened to Timo Bekma-Bentov's career? Because oh, man. he did Nightwatch and Daywatch, which were these really interesting... Yeah. I like kind them. of Russian films, really kind of uh, off the wall, strange, but kind of great action films. <clears throat> and then he comes to America and does Wanted, which the, the story is a bit stupid, but the action like was it. incredible. You like yeah. it. You, you like mm -hmm. the characters. James McAvoy is fantastic in it. Um, you know, and it was very entertaining. And then... Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, what on earth? Uh, mm. And, uh, you know, now Ben-Hur. Now, I liked Ben-Hur, you know, as, as we've just said, but I, I know for a fact I'm in the minority on that one. Um, mm. But, yeah, what, he, I, what has happened to this guy's career? Um, yeah. Right, uh, no, my number two, and this is the other film on my, on my list that I walked out of. Um, I walked out of this 20 minutes before the end. I, I'd put up with it for far too long. I didn't laugh once, literally not once. Um, I found some of the stuff in it offensive, uh, just just to my beliefs, I guess. And, and I just, I just, I was, yeah, I just was not engaged in any way by the characters. And it's Zoolander 2. Um... I just, I could not believe how far the apple had fallen from the tree because, I, you know, I don't, I don't rate the first Zoolander film as the, the 
comedy classic that a lot of people do. But I thought it was a solid three-star film. I got some laughs out of it. You know, I, I got a good six or seven laughs out of that film. But I'm sitting there through Zoolander 2 and I'm getting nothing. I, you know, the, the jokes feel obvious. Others feel just totally forced. The characters are stupid, um, and and I know they're meant to be. Uh, you know, I know Derek Zoolander. That's the point of his character. He's, he's just stupid, but it's it's, it's just it's yeah. It, this time around, that that level of stupid was just grating on my nerves, and I hated this film. And I'm surprised I stuck with it for as long as I did. But I was literally I I was, I was watching it, and I was thinking, you know what. If I'd leave this now, there's another showing of of a different film that that I think I would rather watch. And you know what? That other film might have actually been Ben-Hur. I think I actually walked out of Zoolander to go and watch Ben-Hur instead. Um, so, so, yeah, there you go. I mean, maybe that is the primary reason I loved Ben-Hur so much. Well, not loved, I, I enjoyed Ben-Hur so much. Maybe I was in such a slump watching Zoolander 2 that I walked out of it that actually anything after that would have seemed, you know, quite decent. Um, so may, maybe maybe that's worth checking out. Uh, maybe if I watch Ben-Hur again, I'll, I'll completely change my opinion. But, yeah... Walked out of it last twenty minutes. Absolute crap. Yeah, um, Zoolander's one movie that I've never been able to make it through. Mm. Like I've I've never seen the entirety of. I just it, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, so I knew the sequel was going to be more of the same. So I, I avoided it like the plague. Mm. Um, my number one movie uh, is Yoga Hosers. The Kevin now, Smith. this is. Yeah, Kevin Smith. Now I am a huge Kevin Smith fan. <clears throat> I I I will see everything he makes, but he's really pushing the limits these days. Um, this has zero redeeming qualities at all. It stars his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter. Um, it's a silly plot about these two convenience clerks. Um, who stumble across Nazi sausage men that are trying to kill them. <laughs> um, and when this thing started to get panned, Kevin Smith came out and said, it's not it's not for everybody, it's for the younger generation, they're the ones that are going to like it. And this really irks me because there is so many references to his current podcasts, including co-hosts and certain things like that all throughout the movie, mm. that is quite obviously aimed towards his current audience base. Yeah. You, you can't create a product name when it gets panned and go, yeah, but it's not for you, it's even though all these jokes and everything, and it's tailored towards you, it's for something else. It's The special effects aren't that great, the movie looks kind of bland and flat, the performances from the two girls are actually not too bad. Johnny Depp appears in it and you feel sad for him <laughs> um, it's just it was woeful I couldn't wait for it to finish you know I, I took it as a personal challenge to make it through the entire thing so that I was able to say I watched it and I know it's a turd mm. and I feel bad because like I said I'm, I'm invested with Kevin Smith I listen to his podcasts I've, I've seen all his movies multiple times 
and the last couple just, you know, cop out was was bad. I don't think it could get worse than that. Mm. Um, Tusk bet cop out has been bad, and then Yoga Hoser just comes and makes cop out look like an Oscar winner. <laughs> yeah, this this thing's it's poor. It's poor. It's depressingly poor. Because I expect I th- better from Game Smith. I thought Red State was okay. I thought I thought that was yeah. actually quite decent. Um, yeah, that was not too bad. I quite enjoyed that. I've not seen Tusk, uh, but just just going back to that comment Kevin Smith supposedly made as well about it being with the younger audience. Hmm. Another thing that annoys me about that statement is that if it was true, you've essentially just alienated all the people who have put you where you are. All the people who in, who have invested themselves in your back catalogue of movies, who've grown up with you, who are now adults and still calling themselves Kevin Smith fans. So to turn around and say, well, actually, I've made this for the young people. Well, what about all your fans, you know? You, 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 the people who were there from from the time you made Clerks. That Yeah, that, that doesn't wash, that's... You know, I, I I like Kevin Smith. I, I think he's a, he's a very uh, watchable presence. You know, if you, oh, if, yeah. you if you ever watch his podcast and things, he's definitely you know he's got the gift of the gap and mm-hmm. he's quite entertaining with it. But I do think he comes out with some crap at times. You know, yeah. um, and I think we've discussed this before in on on a previous podcast. Uh, so I won't go into it any more than that. But yeah. Uh, I think if you look at it as well, since he stopped working with Scott Mosier, his old producing partner, mm. he's really went downhill. I think he needs somebody to rein him in. Yeah. But, hey, we'll see what happens next. Okay. Anyway, your number one, Brian. My number one is Sausage Party. <laughs> yep. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> I just... I, I don't think I need to say anything about this um, without you knowing why I hate this. Um, if, if, you've, if you've seen the film, you know, knowing, knowing my religious persuasion, clearly this is not a film for me. Um, the, the thing is, you know, I, I, I can watch a film that is a critique on religion, that is a, you know, critique on people of faith... Providing it's done intelligently. But this isn't. You know, this this feels like the God's Not Dead of the atheist world. Because I hated God's Not Dead. I'm a Christian and I hated that film because it felt like nothing more than propaganda. It told its audience... All the time, just told, told, told. It was like literally like someone standing on a on a uh, pedestal and preaching at people, and I hate that kind of filmmaking. And that's exactly what Sausage Party is. It is it is God's not dead for atheists. It is basically propaganda in which Seth Rogen for an hour and a half tells you all of his all of his atheist views as if it was fact. And there's there's no kind of there's no cleverness about it. There's no parable element to it. You know, I I I prefer films to act more like parables, in which they they discuss ideas, they present certain themes and ideas to people, and then they leave it to you to kind of 
get to grips with it. Silence was a very good example of that recently. Um, but this, yeah, it's literally like some atheist sat in, sit, sitting there in front of me, bashing me over the head with their with their propaganda as to why they believe religion is crap and God doesn't exist. So clearly I'm not the audience for that. So, yeah, absolute stinker. Um, I, I, and for a comedy, it just wasn't funny. Yeah. Which is a cardinal sin. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's just have a, a quick look at some movies that we're anticipating. Can I, can I just, just before we get into that, um, I did put a message out on Twitter just asking people about their favourites and their, their worst and whatnot. I didn't get a huge response, but uh, <laughs> Roy Barrett on Twitter did just leave the comment. Independence Day Resurgence was the most boring, action-packed, spectacular film ever. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with that. I, 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 I was just bored. Like, like you said, Roy, I was, I was just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this film and I'm thinking about the money that has gone into making it. I'm thinking about these huge action set pieces. And I'm just bored. And I'm not invested in the characters in the way that I was with the first film. Um, yeah, a real big misstep, which is which is quite a shame because the first Independence Day is is is, is a guilty pleasure. It's, it's it's a cracking film. It's a good disaster movie, and it's certainly Roland Emmerich's best film to date. Um, so yeah, that's a shame. Um, but th- thank you, Roy, for for getting involved in that for leaving your comment. Um, so time's moving on. So how do you want to do the anticipated movies? Uh, well, you know, just, just, just throw a few at me. You know, um, we we don't need to break it down as like our top five or top ten, but let's let's just talk about them. Just keep throwing okay. out, and then we'll get bored. List okay. a few. Sure, uh, movies coming out in two thousand seventeen that I'm really looking forward to. I've got to say, uh, t- uh, Spotting too is is a big one for me mm-hmm. uh, because. I love the original, and Danny Boyle's just got better and better as a director. Can't wait to see that. Yeah. Um, quite a lot of sequels I'm looking forward to this year. Uh, yeah. One that, that, that looks really interesting and looks completely different from the rest of the series is Logan. Mm. Uh, the third Wolverine movie, the yeah. whatever X-Men movie, it's just, it looks different, and it looks different in such a good way. That I just I'm, I'm so excited about it. Um, a movie I, I I'm not seen the trailer for that Alien Covenant. I'm mm-hmm. staying away from it. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to go in cold or All as right. cold as I can to. Is that is that is that a is that because of Prometheus? I I like Prometheus. Yeah I yeah I I like Prometheus, but I I do think they gave quite a bit away in that trailer that. Maybe they shouldn't have. Um, no, I just sometimes I just I want to go into a movie knowing as little as I possibly can, and for mm. some reason, Alien Covenant's one of those movies that I've went. I want to see nothing. I want to know nothing. I just want to be surprised. Yeah. Um. One one of the biggest movies of the year that I'm probably my most anticipated, if I had to pick one, is Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Right. <laughs> um, the first one was my is my favorite Marvel movie. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Um. So much fun. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, 
this seems to be a yearly occurrence. Denis Villeneuve is only releasing another movie, Blade Runner 2049. There's actually, uh, I mean, I, I did actually come up with the top ten most anticipated, um, and that is number two on my list. It was it was round about number seven, number eight on my list, mm-hmm. and then that trailer came out, and oh, boy, did they kill it with that trailer. I've stayed um, away from it. Oh, oh, oh. They, mm, please... I would advise watching that trailer just because they, they don't give a right lot away, but just the atmosphere that is created and it, it, you could you could swear that Ridley Scott had directed this a couple of years after the original Blade Runner. It, it just it feels so within that world that he created just from that trailer and Ryan Gosling again you know <laughs> man this yeah. this this dude at the mo- at the moment um he's on fire um so yeah that that suddenly jumped right up into my number 2 spot um for for most anticipated but, but yeah go on yeah. continue Edgar Wright's new movie uh, Baby Driver ah right yeah I know that Edgar Wright's directing it. Other than that, I know nothing, but it's anticipated for that fact alone. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, uh, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Yeah, that's that's in my top ten. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the first one was such a, a shock of how amazing it was, and it holds up on rewatches as well, so I've got nothing but high hopes for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we were just talking about High Rise. Uh, I'm quite interested in Ben Wheatley's Free Fire that's coming out next year. Right. Which is like a seventies set shootout in a warehouse. Right. Okay. That's it. It's a kind of comedy, actiony type of thing. Right. It looks pretty good from the trailer. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I, I think he's certainly got a, a good visual eye for things. But as far as Ben Wheeler goes, High Rise is the only one of his films I've seen, and like, yeah, like I say, yeah, not impressed. <laughs> um, one I don't really know too much about is Suburbicon. Oh right, which is, not heard that's of that. It, one. Directed by George Clooney, uh, a screenplay by the Coen Brothers. Oh, okay. That, and I think it's a fifty-set neo noir. Right. So, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm. I'm in with that. I like George Clooney as a director, actually. Yeah. Um, I I think, I I'd never say he's done a bad film. He's done a few that are kind of middle of the road. But when mm-hmm. he's when he's done good work, he's done really good work. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Forward to that one. Yeah. Dunkirk's my number three choice. Christopher Nolan, obviously, being my my favorite director. Um, mm. Just yeah, like you could you could literally just show me a poster of some cement and just say the new film by Christopher Nolan, and I would be there. So mm. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I'm with you as well. Uh, again, it's it's Christopher Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> what more do you need? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah, you know, after Civil War, I was very excited about a Spider Man film, but mm-hmm. after that trailer, it kind of went down a bit. Oh, um, right. The excitement. I, I, I wasn't. That that trailer didn't set me on fire. I've got to say, uh, I'm right. still I'm still excited, and of course I'm going to be there opening day to watch it. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, ah, oh, okay, that's 
that's that's the trailer. That's the film. All right, I I will watch it when it comes out. But I've I've not felt a compulsion to go back and rewatch that trailer. Whereas, you know, the trailer for Blade Runner, I I watched like four times straight after one another when I saw it because I just couldn't believe how how. Man, it just looks so beautiful. Um, War of the Planet of the Apes, which is quite high on my list. I, I watched that trailer a few times. Because it just, oh, I it looks amazing, and Woody Harrelson in that looks looks absolutely fantastic as well. Um, the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I, again, I, I watched that a good three or four times because it was just hilarious. Yeah. That, that scene at the end when. Um, Drax is uh, is, is just <laughs> is just cracking up over yeah, just had me in stitches. Um, I've seen the Dunkirk trailer a few times. Obviously excited about that. Um, Alien Covenant was is on my list as well as is Logan. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, but my number one, I mean, before I get to my number one, uh, Wonder Woman is also on there. That's can I can I guess your number one, Brian? I think you can. I think you know it. Go on. Is it by any chance Justice League? It is. It is Justice <laughs> League. How did you know? Um, yeah, it's Justice League. Look, I'm I'm Batman through and through. Um, you know, you stick Batman in a movie, it's already my number one uh, most anticipated. But I, I'm coming to Justice League not as someone who is hopeful that DC are going to turn it around... I am coming to this as someone who says they've got nothing to turn around when it comes to Zack Snyder. You know, I think Zach, I, I think Suicide Squad was a blip. I, 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 I didn't rate it that highly. But as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're two out of three so far. Man of Steel, for me, is a 10 out of 10 film. I love it. It gets better with age. Batman v Superman, the ultimate cut, is astounding. They should never have released that theatrical cut, as we've already already discussed. That's what shot themselves in the foot. I think if they'd have released that ultimate cut in cinemas, it probably would have got four-star reviews in most places, and, and we wouldn't be having the conversations we're having today about, about the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as far as I'm concerned, yeah... I've got every reason to be excited by Justice League. We've got Zack Snyder back, who, in my mind, has done no wrong so far. Um, so, yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, cannot wait. Absolutely stoked for Justice League. And, and of course, there's a, a, a Star Wars movie that there's going to be every year, but this is Star Wars 8. Yep. Yeah. Biggest thing about this one is the addition of uh, Ryan Johnson in the director's yep. chair for me. Definitely. Looper was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. So was Brick. I think Brick oh, yeah. was very good. Um, the film he did in between those was quite interesting. Not quite as good, but it, it was still a very interesting film. Yeah. Um, um, the Brothers Bloom. Yeah. What yeah. about um, Life, starring Jake Gyllenhaal? It looks like a kind of cross between... Well, it looks kind of like the thing in space. Right. Um, yeah, I... I I recall reading a little bit about that a while back, but there wasn't many details on the film when it, when I looked into that. So I don't know if anything new has been released since. There's There's been a trailer out. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah. Then colour me intrigued and excited. As soon as we finish recording this, I'm going to go check that out. Um, and what about um, John Wick 2? Were you a fan of the original? Wasn't a f- I wouldn't say I wasn't a fan of the original, but it was the most overhyped action movie of of the decade. Easily, I liked it. 
I didn't love it. I yeah, thought it was just... Sorry, yeah, Thor, Thor Ragnarok? Yeah, I'm a fan, you know. I, I've liked the previous two Thor films. Thor is undoubtedly the funniest character in the Avengers. Whenever... If you look at those two Avengers films, whenever Thor is on screen, he's always, I think, the most charismatic, the funniest character on screen. Um, my favourite Avenger is is um, Captain America, but I, I just think, yeah, the way, the way that he plays it, the way that Chris Hemsworth plays that character, he just he owns that role, and um, I'm looking forward to the third film. Um, Especially now that it's been announced that Hulk is indeed going to be in it, yeah. um, and probably having a good smackdown with with Thor, which we've already seen in the Avengers. But hey ho, yeah. we can repeat ourselves. Is there anything else you, you want to mention? Uh, well, you know, Logan. We've already talked about um, Wonder Woman. Is it's, it's number four on on my list of most anticipated. I I'm. I'm having faith, you know, Gal Gadot, I think, was fantastic in Batman v Superman, and the trailers for these for, for this so far have all been um, really entertaining, I think. Uh, I, I won't go into any details about the other films on the list, but I will just quickly list off um, other films I'm excited by are Kong, Skull Island, oh, yeah. uh, Valerian, uh, the Lego Batman movie, obviously, uh, the the new Fast and Furious film, Ghost in the Shell, and I am kind of intrigued to see the live action Beauty and the Beast. Uh, but that's it. That's that's pretty much my list. I, I, I oh actually I do know I can't remember the name of it, but Aaron Sorkin is going to be making his directorial debut ah. um, to to to, a, to one of his one of his own scripts. So that that is a reason to be. Excited, I think. Um, I'd, I'd mm. be looking forward to that one. So yeah, but that's it. I think uh, it's definitely 2017 is going to be a good year. It's looking as if it could possibly be a good year. So thanks for popping into this bonus episode and listening to us talk about uh, 2016 and a little bit about 2017. As always, you'll be able to get us on our social media, which will be in the comment box below. And feel free to pop along and tell us what your most anticipated movie of 2017 will be, or what you thought of 2016. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Brits on Flix. Start again. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Good start. Hi, I'm Graham. I'm, yeah, great start. Hey, we've got our outtake already out the bag. <laughs> We're good to go. Oh, sh- sugar. You know what? <laughs> You want to change your top ten already, Brian? Yeah. I've just realised I'm going off my IMDb list here, and I've not I've not updated this. I've not updated it. I've seen a few of the films since, um, and I actually I've actually knocked this off for uh, for Moana. I went right. with Moana instead. Um, well, just start from your top ten. It's easy enough to edit out. <laughs> I have a lot of outtakes in this one. Oh man, this is going to be like Outtake City.